This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go. It is a great day for talk radio. We've been talking a lot of this COVID-19 and the ravages, both health-wise and, of course, with the economy, the two intersecting. Everybody seems to know that, uh, although not everybody seems to know uh, the ravages of this thing that, uh, if it gets out of hand, could really uh, decimate not just the population, but maybe irrevocably the economy, uh, as we keep imploring people, try to, you know, at least go along. Uh, maybe even just to amuse the people with the health uh, department, because there are 20% of Canadians who think this is all overblown. That was a recent poll from Leger over the weekend. It's like... You want to smack your forehead and say, really, what planet are these people from? Have they not been paying attention? What's going on? Italy, Spain. In Madrid, they're using a hockey rink or an ice rink anyway as a morgue, makeshift morgue. It, when it comes to that in a first world country, that should be an arresting story in and of itself. But all that being said, uh, we've got a lot to unpack in this hour as well with our panel coming up shortly as topics worthy of discussion lend themselves through uh, the intersectionality, there's a word I haven't used in a while, uh, of the whole nature of this COVID-19 scourge. On the economic front, uh, we like to defer to our friend John Turley-Yort, risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. John is joining the Oakley Show this afternoon. How are you, John? I'm very well, John, and yourself? Fine, too. Uh, hanging in. Listen, uh, with a skeletal crew, Michael Downey here and Robbie Trevisan and uh, Mary working from home. Let me ask you first of all, though, because I'm kind of curious. I was just listening to Danny on the news and this whole package that was supposed to be uh, agreed to by a skeletal crew at the House of Commons has been delayed somewhat when the Liberals tried to, I guess, uh, suggest that maybe Finance Minister Morneau be given impunity to tax and spend until the end of 2021. Uh, was that a little bit, uh, you know, skullduggery on the Liberals' part, or do you think that makes sense? Uh, it was a, a stunning misfire. Uh, uh, it's unbelievable that they even tried to, to do that. I, I would say that it speaks to how tone-deaf the government is to the, the crisis this government um, is supposed to be leading us through. Uh, you know, quite frankly, you know, business is being asked uh, to close their, their doors, and Canadians are being asked to stay behind their, their, their doors at home for the greater good. And Canadians and businesses are answering that call. And now government in Ottawa has been, uh, you know, given their call, and their call is to support Canadians and business while we, you know, try and defeat COVID-19. That they would try to, you know, slip through um, a ploy that would essentially make them like a majority government in a minority situation, it's really quite shocking. All right. Uh, well, you know, when we have this package that he announced last week of $82 billion in total, 55 of that is tax deferrals, but 27 direct assistance, uh, they're suggesting, and many are in agreement, that it's going to have to be way more than that. Uh, do you foresee that coming sooner rather than later? Absolutely. And part of the problem here, though, John, is that the, the Liberal government is taking an iterative approach to this. That is, they're taking baby steps. And the fact is, is that everything is shutting down so fast, we don't have time to wait for their baby steps. You know, this is one of the reasons why in the United States they're working on right now uh, a, a two trillion dollar program uh, to get money into people's hands. You know, the, the fact is, is that this COVID-19 has, you know, created this sudden economic stop. It's created a, you know, demand destruction. And what we need to do uh, from a government perspective is, is put money into people's pockets so that we can, uh, you know, get that demand going uh, up again when we can get back out of our houses. But, but most importantly, we have to keep people on 
on the payrolls. I'm echoing uh, Rocco Rossi, who was on earlier. Uh, the thing is, is once we start furloughing people, John, we're going to have a big problem. And from uh, what I saw in the numbers today, we had almost a million people apply for unemployment last week in Canada. In the U.S., Goldman Sachs estimates 2.25 million people applied for unemployment last week. These kinds of employment dislocations, uh, not only do they hit people in their pocketbooks, but it undermines you know, their, their morale, their health, everything. And we really need to get money into their pockets now. Yeah, which is, you referenced Rocco, my discussion with him last hour, because I'm wondering about the infrastructure of the facility to get it immediately to them rather than through EI, even though the EI waiting period has been waived in this country and the monies that were being offered by the Liberals in that package last week, woefully inadequate, you and I would agree as as did Rocco. Uh, You know, so two-part question. Uh, When I see the economic advisors in the States suggesting, including, you know, Steve Bannon, I saw him on a weekend program saying this, you need the nuclear option. Let's not mince around, as you were just suggesting as well, no incrementalism here. Blow it all up for now. We'll figure it out later, but you've got to spend, and he was putting a figure on it of something like four and five trillion dollars. I mean, if we were commensurate to that, you know, divide by 10, as we do in Canada, that $82 billion isn't going to cut it. Rocco said maybe $200 billion might be more appropriate. Would you go north of that? Well, I mean, it really depends on, on you know, how long this whole crisis unfolds. But what, what is very clear to me in, in, in answering your question about getting people's uh, pockets filled with cash as efficiently as possible is, you know, we can follow some examples that they're talking about in the U.S., and that is giving, uh, you know, companies uh, uh, loans, Uh, that would provide payroll that would cover 75% or 80% like they're doing in the U.K., for example. And those loans are dependent on uh, them not laying people off. So the company, if they lay people off, the loan doesn't get forgiven at the end of this crisis. And that's, you know, that's a kind of, um, you know, effort and policy decisions that would really get money into people's pockets, I think, a lot more efficiently than trying to ask someone to go online and spend three hours trying to get through or on a phone call waiting even longer to try and get EI. Yeah, and uh, let's just be clear about this. The idea these are loans, as you say, they come with uh, a provision or a condition, and that is if you lay people off, you've got to repay it. Otherwise, it becomes a de facto grant, doesn't it? Exactly. And, and remember, again, I would emphasize what the government is asking Canadians and businesses to do is to, to basically you know, close their doors and stay home for the greater good. Now, what government has to do for the greater good is ensure that people who are closing their doors, uh, businesses that are closing their doors, and people who are staying at home are not left, you know, with uh, you know, uh, a burnt-down uh, burnt business and a burnt-down house and no money for the future in their retirement. Well, and walk me through it, because it's beyond my pay grade, but you're the guy who's uh, specializing in capital markets with all the experience on Bay and Wall Streets. John Turley, you were our guest, uh, just before we get to the panel. Uh, they're talking about this being backstopped. I guess, uh, you know, the Fed uh, here, it would be the Bank of Canada, uh, would backstop the government. I mean, and there's something maybe arcane about how that would all work, and I don't get it, but uh, tell me how that would work where, you know, these huge sums of money, just astronomical figures, would actually have that kind of guarantee behind it. 
Well, I, what, what you have, for example, you saw yesterday the Fed come in and provide liquidity. And, and when I say provide liquidity, what the Fed did is say, we will buy from uh, banks and, and businesses uh, unlimited amounts of treasury. So let's say you had bought you know, Canadian bonds, government bonds, uh, and you want money for them. The Treasury will now buy as much as possible, as much as you want to give them. They'll also buy asset-backed securities, which is mortgages. What all that does is it, it provides liquidity. And so, the, the, you know, the, in Canada, it would be the Bank of Canada, uh, and you would have uh, the federal government uh, raising uh, money that they would inject directly into the economy. You would, uh, I mean, it's going to generate inflation. This is, you know, a bit of uh, the printing press coming, coming into, the, into play here. Uh, you know, we've obviously seen that before. But inflation is something that we need because we need to get money into the system. We need to stoke demand. We need to, to get people out spending when this uh, COVID-19 crisis is over. All right. And so you're saying inflation is the inevitable uh, result or one of the byproducts of all of this. I'm kind of curious, and I mean, maybe we're projecting putting the, course, uh, the horse before the cart, but how could we come through on the other side? Uh, what's going to be the fallout from all of this? Well, you know... The, the, if anyone says definitively know what the fallout will be, there there probably not so many you should be talking to, John. But let me just say that you know we've seen estimates, you know, hits to GDP, for example, in the United States range from anywhere to uh, a drop of 24 percent uh, to 30 percent, depending on which economist you speak to. Here's what's going to happen at the end that we know for sure, and it may be why the Liberal government is taking an iterative approach. The amount of money that we're going to have to put in the economy to, to keep everything going and, and flush once we get out of this is so large that our taxes are going to go up, our social programs are, are going to come under question, uh, our ability to, to finance infrastructure projects will be compromised. It, it, this is a huge, huge issue. And remember, at the same time, we have uh, you know, revenues coming into Ottawa declining. The oil industry, for instance, uh, you know, at, on average gives $8 billion a year to all governments uh, across this country in, in, in various taxes and royalties. You're lucky if you're going to get half of that this year maybe even a quarter of it. So think about that. At the same time, they're spending so much, their revenues are dramatically dropped. So, you know, we're all going to pay for this uh, down the road with uh, increased taxes, and I would suspect uh, a, a, a drop in our quality of life unless we can turn it around fairly quickly. Yeah, I was going to say I despair for uh, this generation and the next. Uh, hopefully they despair for their own situation, but uh what about the markets today? I noticed they were bouncing around. It was up, uh, I saw the Dow up by 1,700 sometime before lunch. And yeah, I mean, we had, uh, well, you know, John, it's a bit like watching a Leaf hockey game, if you remember those. You know, they get, they got their butt kicked in the first period, and then they came out in the second and played hard and scored a goal. Mm. And that's what we had today. Uh, the TSX was up almost 12%. The Dow was up just over 11 uh, Importantly, oil was also up a little bit, 2.6%. You know, basically what – this is a couple things happening here. Liquidity in the markets from the, the Fed announcement on, on Monday. And most importantly, the, uh, the Congress uh, debating uh, this issue of the $2, the two trillion-plus uh, package that hopefully we will have – uh, an agreement to tonight and a vote on this week, and that's really what's driving markets. I would say that we're not out of the, uh, you know, the, the 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 you know the game yet. We're not into the clear yet. Uh, like, you know, you know, we're down like four to one uh, today. Was like scoring a goal on the first part of the second period. We still have a long way to go. And there is that silver lining. If you drive a lot, uh, gas is slated to come down. I guess to sixty six cents uh, by sometime tomorrow, isn't it? 
Uh, it sure is. And, uh, it, you know, this is uh, – uh, that's one silver lining. We also saw hydro rates come down as well. Uh, so, you know, what we're seeing is, is some of our cost of living uh, expenses being decreased by, by this crisis, and that should hopefully keep a bit more money in people's pockets. We have mortgage rates coming down as well. So Canadians with variable rates will see a noticeable decrease in their mortgage payments. Uh, and, and this is all very important, and it will help. Anything uh, by way of a lifeline is something we'll grab on to eagerly. Uh, John, always appreciate your weighing in with your expertise, and we'll do it again soon because the situation calls for it. Talk then. Thank you, John. John turley risk management consultant, and he specializes in capital markets, extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 